Hello, fellow science deniers, domestic extremists, and government haters. Welcome to the Naturalist Capitalist. Thanks for watching another episode. We've got Dak Rouleau, who is endearingly uh, come to be known as the Jeff Goldblum of the alt-right, joining us on the other end. How are you doing tonight, Dak? Pretty good. I, I hope people don't mind the glitches. Like we said, we're going to pretend this is a deliberate effect, so it looks like I'm making... The scientist's last broadcast in the first Pokemon movie, because we, thank you, we dreamed of creating the world's strongest Pokemon, and we succeeded. We dreamed of creating the world's best YouTube channel, and we succeeded. <laughs> there it is. So, um, we didn't do a video on January 6th, uh, but uh, last year, we did a stream on January 7th, the night after um, and January 6th has become a day that has been uh, associated with me quite a bit because I, I I make a mockery of it as much as possible because it's been so overplayed by the media. Um, but I've gone back and watched that video and we correctly predicted just about everything. I don't think yep. we actually got anything wrong. I mean, we said that we thought there was some sort of federal government involvement in kicking the whole fiasco off that they had probably been let in uh beyond the barriers and encouraged to do some reckless things that there was going to be authoritarian legislation that was going to be attempted to be passed after this happened that it was going to be a demonization of all right-wingers and gun owners and anyone skeptical of the government at all um well, I think we were right, Dak. So I just wanted your uh, your reflections on what we predicted on January seventh, twenty twenty one, and now what we think in January twenty twenty two. Yeah, we didn't do a video this year on January sixth because I was too deep in mourning, like just remembering the patriotic <laughs> insult of that day. It was really hard to forget. Um, that's what the alcohol's for. Um, so yeah, it was. Watching it unfold, the aftermath of it in real time with these congressional inquiries and these subpoenas that are still going on. I just saw that Rudy Giuliani apparently is going to have to go to court. Um, it was interesting to see that happening in real time, knowing that we had basically learned enough about modern mainstream American propaganda that you could literally call every single play before it unfolds. Um, and th this was something that happened to me for the first time during the first Trump impeachment fiasco when they were threatening to impeach Trump. And I was just like, guys, can't you see that it's painfully obvious he's not actually going to be removed from office because the Republicans in the Senate will vote to acquit him? Like it, it was it, it was interesting to see how people got sucked up into it and still like held in suspense because they couldn't predict the very obvious ending um, the butler is the killer, basically. That's how the January 6th riot was, was it was that easy to predict. So yeah, you've said several times that we called everything accurately. Um, to me, it just said that we learned what we had paid attention to for the past couple of years. Bad things were going to happen and politicians would take advantage of what was, yes, obviously a staged event. If you've ever been to a professional sports game, you would have seen much tighter security than you did for the gathering of not just the entire Congress, but also the vice president of the United States. Um, last thing I'll say here before I turn it over to you is 
even if they had been gathered for a completely non-controversial purpose, say they had come together just to uh, mark the end of the Second World War or something like that, that no one would get offended by, they still would have had much tighter security outside the building than we saw on that day when they were gathered for a contentious purpose. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on January 7th of last year. Anyone who was pretending that Congress was not going to confirm Joe Biden as the next president of the United States was not being honest with himself. Um, I mean, that was so you had I don't I don't know what the actual do you know what the number of people estimated there was of protesters? Uh, it, it, uh, oh, uh, protesters. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. But thousands of protesters uh, were there and you knew that a lot of them were going to be upset about the results and you have Washington, D.C. under martial law, basically, for months yeah. following this event. But you don't have any sort of robust se uh, security no. guarding the building when this controversial um, event is going to take place. That that right there is enough to know that something is going on. I mean, yeah. that's just, you know, with all these things like with Pearl Harbor, 9-11, you know, you either have to think that everyone is incredibly stupid or they're opportunists. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think there is a lot of, you know, um, there's a lot of stupidity and a lot of uh, there's a lack of aptitude. But there also there there has to be some sort of, uh, you know, desire for a crisis to exploit. I mean, if you look throughout history, that's how it's always been. Yeah, these politicians are not stupid. What they are is they've been made soft-headed because they've spent years letting other people do the work for them. Like, their job is basically to act as the spokespeople for whoever is funding their campaigns. Um, and so because of that, they're not really doing any critical thinking. They're letting other wealthier people do the thinking for them. And so that's why they seem stupid to us, is they become soft-headed because they're so out of touch. Um, this, I think, is a lot of what Joe Biden's problem is. People say he has dementia. I think it's more the fact that he's become soft-headed because he's been living the upper-class Washington lifestyle for the past 50 years. Um, and so with this Capitol riot, yeah, the, the idea that they, it, it was painfully obvious that Congress was going to vote to confirm Biden's victory. And we had actually done a couple of videos before that where we said that some of the conspiracy theories about the election being stolen from Trump, it, it seemed like there was a lot of, a lot of progressives had given voice to those theories because they were upset about how badly the Democrats had sodomized them for the past couple of years. Um, right. The, uh, the anti-Biden progressives, just for those watching, not the ones who voted for Biden, but the ones who were so right. angry about what happened to Bernie that they were just, you know, we want Trump to win instead of Biden. Right. And obviously that ridiculous way that they executed the last election where they had these mail-in ballots and these completely conflicting COVID rules, it, it was so absurd. It kind of reminded me of the movie. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Um, so, yeah, we're not suggesting that there was any legitimacy or respectability to the last election. <clears throat> That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is the, the, the theory that Trump won the election, that theory suggests that there was a legitimate result of the election and that Trump won. We, I think what we both argue is there was no legitimate, there is no legitimacy to American democracy anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I think we talked about this last time I was on your show 
that you have words put in your mouth if you um you know if you don't buy one narrative then you are just immediately put on the opposite side when maybe what you're describing is actually something completely different altogether um you know i'd been talking about election integrity all of 2020 before the election uh we saw the republicans try to kick the libertarians off the ballot in texas uh and we saw the six uh the the democratic party successfully kick the green party off the ballot in several states and then we saw uh the democratic primary in 2020 where it was very obvious that several candidates let's see who was it it was uh klobuchar um beto o'rourke Buttigieg, um, I think there were Bloomberg, right? They all dropped out and supported Biden after South Carolina, um, which was obviously not an organic movement. I mean, that was obviously a concerted effort to defeat Bernie Sanders. So the idea that you and I think that America has solid elections without any holes in them is beyond laughable. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. covered this stuff before Trump supporters were ever talking about election integrity, a whole, I mean, for me, an entire year before they ever talked about it. Right. It's kind of like these voter ID laws. Um, the We know that the Republicans want voter ID, not because they care about election integrity, but because it does happen to benefit them for whatever reason. Um, right. And that's why the Democrats oppose voter ID. It's not because they care about making sure everyone has the right to vote. It's because it just happens to benefit them. If for some reason we lived in a reverse world where voter ID laws helped Republicans and hurt Democrats, we would see the support accordingly. Um, Democrats would be saying we need greater election integrity and so on and so forth. Um, but, but, But the subject of that election is not especially interesting to me. Um, and it, 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 that is part of what's at issue with the Capitol riot is the Capitol riot is supposed to be, I said in a video I did recently, it's supposed to be this patriotic insult. Like we're supposed to look at it as an insult upon our patriotic psyche. And it, we're supposed to see it as an attack upon the American fabric in the style of Pearl Harbor or 9-11. And the argument I make is that they, the people who create American culture and shape it, they are attempting to retire World War II in its political iconography, and they're trying to replace it with more modern phenomena because we're we are we're rapidly running out of World War II veterans and people who actually experienced World War II firsthand. So it's time for out with the old, like we never talk about World War One, and they want the Capitol riot to be the latest symbol of American resilience. There were these malcontents and these immoral people and savages who tried to attack the heart of America, but we, the uh, patriots, stood tall and we overcame this threat. That's what they want us to think about the Capitol riot, all facetiousness aside. Yeah, I think what's been most successful about their framing of January 6th has been the acceptance that your political opposition is made up of domestic terrorists. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. I have seen that become a mainstream opinion where, you know, I don't know, before 2020, the the two sides of the country hated each other, but not like this. I mean, this is ridiculous. Now yeah. you have people wanting uh, the Justice Department to be, you know, spying on parents who don't agree with COVID restrictions in schools or don't want critical race theory taught in schools or whatever. I mean, it's just gotten to an absolutely bizarre 
level. That's what I see as the biggest success of the establishment that they have, they have somehow, you know, drawn this clownish riot as some sort of coup or insurrection that has struck fear into the hearts of the other side of the country. I just think, I think that's the, the most successful thing they've done. Uh, do you agree or what, what is your thought? Yeah, the the the, oh, the way that they've used it to divide the country, and obviously they've used it to increase a lot of surveillance. Not that they weren't already taking advantage of that with COVID anyway. COVID has basically been the manifestation of the Patriot Act. But yeah, they they talked about how they need more surveillance. They need to they need access to Americans' electronic information in order to make sure they can prevent a future attack like this. Even though it was it wasn't done, it wasn't organized surreptitiously. Like it was organized in plain view. President Trump. Trump was attending the uh, counter protest across the street. Like everyone knew it was happening. I don't see how surveillance would have helped you to prevent this. Like, I mean, with all of the cameras, CNN had cameras trained on them and that apparently couldn't stop the riot from happening. Um, but uh, the, the, the issue with um, trying to exploit the Capitol riot as a symbol of iconography is unlike Pearl Harbor or 9-11, where the enemy was a foreign entity. They're talking about how the insurrectionists and the domestic extremists are what we need to be most concerned about. And this is what Merrick Garland's Justice Department has been all about. They have constantly been out talking about the American domestic extremists. We don't have to worry about Muslims anymore, we're told. We have to be worried about Americans somehow implying that Muslims are not American. Um, but 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 yeah, this is the thing is the, the 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 authoritarian state, I hate to use that kind of pompous language, but the authoritarian state has been directing its energy and its ire not against a foreign entity, but against a domestic entity. So it's very self-destructive. In, in a political sense, we are witnessing nothing but self-destruction. So for people who talk about accelerationism, Maybe Biden was the more accelerationist candidate after all. Yeah, which is what I predicted uh, in 2020, which is why I wanted him to win. Um, but uh, yeah, you just did a great video. I think it's I think it's your latest video, the one about um, Lawrence Brooks. Yeah, the uh, he's the oldest. He was the oldest surviving uh, World War II veteran who just yep, died. 100, is that 112 years old. Yeah, so you were suggesting that. Um, you know, World War One is kind of beyond our, yes. uh, beyond beyond our awareness as far as a cultural or historical event goes. Like everyone knows what it is, but it's like the Spanish American War. I mean, it's just so it's so culturally removed now. Where World War Two still plays a significant role in our culture. I mean, if you're a bad person, you're a Nazi. If uh, you know, like, I mean, we, we, we compare a lot of things to World War II still, but we're getting to that point where it's going to be removed from uh, the generations that are still alive because this this guy was one of, you know, the, the, there, there are fewer and fewer World War II veterans left alive every day. Eventually, people who uh, weren't necessarily in the war but were children during it, they won't remember it anymore, and that's going to be ushered into the past. So they have to create new uh historical events to look back on in horror and you're suggesting that january 6th is going to be one of those days but i just wanted you to yeah. expand on that a little bit 
Right. So basically, if you are alive and you have a personal memory, at least of the country during World War II, you're probably at least 90 years old. Like, like that, that, that's the point I'm trying to get across is that it, it, World War II, there's, there's increasingly, there's decreasing, there, there's a decreasing amount of personal memory of World War II. Um, and, and pretty soon we're going to get to the point where the last World War II veteran is dead and gone. And perhaps even the last spouse of a World War II veteran is dead and gone. And within the next 20 years or 30 years, the last child of a World War II veteran will be dead and gone. And so the World War II doesn't have that cultural clout. Like like it once did. I mean, you and I remember growing up in all sorts of movies and TV shows would talk about World War II. I was six years old when Saving Private Ryan came out. And yeah, we, we still like to invoke World War II iconography. You talk about how we can call our enemies Nazis. That's a good example. They're also talking about Anne Frank for some reason on CBS. Um, but 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 yeah, the, the World War II is still has cultural relevance, but it's losing that all the time. So you have to turn the page in the historical playbook. And the Korean War is really not that much fresher than World War II. It's kind of obscure anyway. Vietnam is too controversial. There, there's too many. There's too much criticism of Vietnam. I actually just watched The Deer Hunter for the first time the other night, and that has really been bothering me ever since. Have you seen that movie? I have, yeah, a long time uh, ago. But that was my first time watching it. It really bothered me. But anyway, we don't have to get into that. Um, but then like Desert Storm, the uh, the invasion of Iraq, these things are a little more controversial. We can still use 9-11 as a symbol of unity, but we do need to find more recent examples. And they seem to be looking to turn this capital riot into a symbol. Like you've seen that image that CNN put out of the, the widescreen view of the Capitol with the smoke billowing in the back background and the confederate flags and the trump flags and the it's so overcast it's oh oh god i i get i get sentimental just thinking about it yeah that, they want us to look at that that could be like on a, a a u.s mint someday that could be on the back of a quarter and they want us to think about that and and it, you know it doesn't really work for us because we're cynical and on fbi wanted list but like to a, a five or a ten year old growing up now they could be looking at the tv or at their parents smartphone and going oh america and that's basically how the process starts. And then 100 years from now, they'll have to retire that. And they'll talk about the day that I led my attempted insurrection and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. So I wanted to get what do you think about the actual event? Like, how would you um, how would you summarize what actually happened? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we've already talked about the, the Fed involvement, but like what? What size of an event do you think this actually was? How much attention did it warrant? And what do you think about the tactical um, decision of the people who were either tricked into doing this or, you know, excited into doing this? Do you think this was a good idea on their part or do you think it was stupid and it's just going to backfire and cause them more problems than they can handle? Uh, well, you could argue that the entire country participated in it in a vicarious sense because, and I think you and I talked about this before, or maybe I talked about it with that person, Brie Mache. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's everybody has had this fantasy about leading a revolution against the American government because we all hate the government. 
um, no matter what your political stripes are, you may like the vampire in the White House right now, but you wanted to lead an insurrection when Trump was in office. Um, go back and watch the video of Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation vote in the Senate. It is repeatedly, PBS News has it up, and it's repeatedly interrupted by protesters who came in to scream shame and I do not consent and all of these other things that I like to hear. Um, but 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 they, they, they were allowed into the building in order to disrupt the proceedings, just like these protesters were allowed into the building to cause different kinds of havoc. Um, so that's something that needs to be taken into consideration is we are all guilty in this because we all have entertained fantasies about overthrowing the government. It doesn't mean we're going to act on them. It just means these people actually have the stones to go do it. Was it a good idea for them? I think it was a good idea if they made sure to wear a disguise or if they covered their face in some way, because then they could they could say among close friends that they got to go into the Capitol and kick in doors and smash windows and stuff like that. And I think that's funny. Um, but but yeah, I, I don't I just don't take it seriously because it's just a bunch of property damage. And it's not even like vandalizing sacred works of art. They didn't. I would be more upset if they had like torched the Mona Lisa or something like that, but, but the Capitol building, they'll fix those windows. I mean, CNN always talks about the Asian man who was cleaning up the floor after the protesters went through and we're supposed to remember him as a hero. So yeah, I just, the damage it did, I'm just not sure what damage it did. One cop had a stroke, but a stroke is not homicide. And uh, then that lady with mental health issues got smoked, which is, you know, probably, I, I don't know. I it's just I'm not seeing what 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 was the to, what was the toll that day? What was the cost? I just my life has gone on in the aftermath quite fine. Yeah, I put a tweet out and it's I think it's been the most successful tweet on my new Twitter account. Um it was Alec Baldwin killed more people than the January 6 protesters did. Why did none of them have guns? Not any of them had guns, really? Like, come on. Yeah, it's pretty sad for a country with half a billion guns. Pretty uh, sad insurrection. But um, I got so many replies from people angry that I would say that. And there's, you know, all of them were saying five people died. And I said, okay, yeah, five people died. That is not mean five people were killed by the protesters. One of them, the only one who was a homicide, who was murdered, was Ashley Babbitt, who was climbing through a window. And, uh, you know, some, I guess, liberals now think that that is justifiable force for a cop to shoot someone point blank. You know, uh, and it's so ironic after an entire summer of protests uh, for police brutality, once an unarmed woman climbing through a window is shot by a cop, nothing is done about it. I thought that was very strange. You know what I think is strange about Ashley Babbitt? Have you seen the video, the full video, where they're smashing the windows and she's cheering them on before she climbs through and gets shot? Yes. Have you heard her scream of, like, celebration as they're doing it? Yeah, yep. That is the exact same scream that you hear in Return of the Jedi when Jabba the Hutt drops his slave prostitute down into the Rancor pit. It's the same exact scream. I've listened to that video so many times. I swear they used that sound effect from Return of the Jedi in that video of the Capitol riot. I've never talked about that before, but I really needed to talk about that tonight. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. There you go. Sad. There's the latest conspiracy right there. <laughs> yes, it's predictive pro 
programming. Donald Trump is Job of the Hut, and my hopes and dreams of another revolution are the slave girl. Um, but but and uh, Kamala Harris is the rancor. But no, um, no, no. The thing is, like five people died. This is another problem, though, is because earlier we t- I was babbling about how we've all had fantasies about overthrowing the government. We are all so desensitized by violent entertainment and media that the idea of five people dying, nobody cares. Like we just crossed the threshold of 850,000 people supposedly died of COVID. And again, no one cares. Like that kind of a death toll of almost a million or God, I don't know if it's almost whatever. We just don't care. We don't have any ability to process that because we have no empathy because we've all been desensitized by the horrible media. And, 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 and so when you say five people died, nobody who says that is actually upset that those people died. They're upset that the, their political enemies got to have a show of aggression that they themselves have never had the courage to replicate themselves. That's the thing is no one is actually, that's why I did my video a while ago. No one cares about the Capitol riot because the only reason anybody cares is because it was their political enemies that were doing it. If a group of feminists wearing pink knit hats had stormed the Capitol on the day that Trump was inaugurated, the media would still be praising them as brave heroes. Like, uh, who was that band in Russia? Pussy riot. Yeah. Like we say yeah. that they're martyrs. It's like the media gets to choose who are our heroes, who are our martyrs and who are our rogues and knaves. And, and, and the media's tendentiousness is just so, suffocating yeah um actually now that you bring that up i forget the date but it was in the summer of 2020 you remember when the protesters did actually sort of storm the white house uh, we'll use the word storm because that's what they're using for the capital too but it was no, a... i remember michigan the michigan state house they went in with guns and stuff and yelled right yeah that's a different one but they uh they just like basically I think ran onto the lawn of the white house is really all they did. But Donald Trump was president at this time and he was rushed to a bunker and the mainstream media was mocking it. They were calling him bunker boy and turning this whole thing into a joke. Oh yeah. I do remember that actually. A remarkably similar event to January 6th, starkly different reactions from the mainstream media. I think the first reaction is the correct one for both events, but yeah. Um, I, I just think it's amazing. That's just such a blatant display of favoritism. Well, that's that leads me to my other conspiracy theory that I should talk about, which is when they said that somebody had brought a bomb to the Capitol to try to blow away Pelosi and the rest. Um, they said that there was a report of a bomb. And then a couple of hours later, they said, OK, there's no bomb in the building. And so they sent all the politicians back in. That, to me, was indisputable evidence that this was, if not a false flag operation, certainly a false flag operation in spirit. Because if there was the slightest chance that there was a bomb in that building, Vice President Mike Pence would have been evacuated out of the city of Washington, D.C., The idea that they would have just sent in a dog or two to sniff around, and then a couple of hours later, all of the elected representatives of the United States Congress were allowed back into the building, 
I mean, I know Occam's razor says never attribute to malice what could be attributed to stupidity, but this could be a razor too far. I mean, I mean, it's just like the idea that all of them with all their prestige, they just all willingly walked back into the building. If I'd been a representative, I would have gotten on the plane back to whatever state I pretend to represent and said, let me, I'll be back in a couple of days. Like I, the idea that they did this again in a few hours later, just in time for primetime television, it's just even if we're completely wrong, can people really blame us for being wrong? Like, is our hypothesis really so far-fetched once you consider this point of view? I mean, I I, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you, you have to use speculation in every area of life. Not everything can be 100% proven, but I, it's not much of a jump to get there from... I mean, I you know... I, I think Alex Jones is a, a charlatan and someone who uh, a, a profuse liar, but the mainstream narrative is so wrong that they have made him right about some yes. things. Yeah. I blame that on the mainstream media, not, you know, not, not the people necessarily. I mean, I, I don't have much pity for most of the people because I think they're also willingly stupid, but when you yeah. see where they're getting their information, you can't blame them for believing someone like Alex Jones. I mean, what's the alternative, you know? No, I was actually the other day, I listened to the entire podcast he did with Joe Rogan back in 2017. I think it was where they were smoking dope in the studio and talking right. about intergalactic shape-shifting pedophiles and all that stuff. And the weird thing is you listen to that at the time and you laugh your head off. But now after Jeffrey Epstein, it it, it, it has enough plausibility to it and he has his countercultural intrigue that you're willing to swallow some of his absurdities just because you would think if we lived in a world where everyone listened to him and no one listened to CNN, maybe things would be moderately better. I, I mean, I mean, it's like it, 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 it's it's reductive reasoning and it's giving him a pass just because CNN is so bad. But at the same time, y you do have to sympathize with those people who believe him and think he's a hero. I mean, he history has certainly been kinder to him than it has been to Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, that's not an exaggeration. Like, I watched the video, and in the video, Alex Jones is saying that Donald Trump wants to save the middle class, and he wants every American to have a great opportunity, and Donald Trump isn't into pedophiles because he likes beautiful European women or something like that. And now what we know about Trump's friendship with Epstein, maybe that's not completely true, but if you were at the time informed about some of these things that were going on, you, you do tend to, at the very least... If, if you're susceptible to anything, you're susceptible to confirmation bias. You're not susceptible to insanity just because you listen to Alex Jones. That's what I think the problem is with Alex Jones. It's confirmation bias rather than it is just uh, being a, a tinfoil hat meth head. Right. So I was saying earlier that I thought the most successful um, the most successful outcome of January 6th to the establishment was creating... A public that could actually look at its opposition as domestic terrorists or yeah. extremists who yeah. needed to be governed more harshly. So I, I did bring this up on the Four Horsemen on uh, Sunday, but I, I didn't read the entire poll. I just read a couple pieces off it. I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a poll. Uh, so this was a, a survey. It's only a thousand sixteen. 
likely Democratic voters. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, how accurate it is because that's not a huge sample. But uh, 58% of voters. Uh, wait, hold on. Uh, sorry, okay. it's never mind. It's a thousand voters, not okay. just Democratic voters. So this is okay. making up both the Republican and Democrat. What um, let's see. So 45% of Democrats would favor governments requiring citizens to temporarily to temporarily live in designated facilities or locations if they refuse to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, let's see what else. Uh, 48% of Democrats uh, think federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals who publicly question the efficacy of the existing COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio, or in online digital publications. Uh, let's see what else here we got. Um, let's see. Uh, 29% of democratic voters would support temporarily removing parents custody of their children. If parents refuse to take the COVID-19 vaccine. So again, this is only, I mean, this, so let's assume the Democrats are about half yeah. of this poll. That's about 500 people. So it's not a huge sample. So it's accuracy is put into question there, but man, like <laughs> you see the, uh, to me, that is, you know, showing how effective it is. If you can demonize your enemy and think of them as domestic terrorists, if you can dehumanize them. Yes. Then those type of government actions are not seen as heinous anymore. But I just wanted your reaction to that. Well, this is why I've fallen away from progressivism because socialism is totalitarianism. Socialism is authoritarianism. And I'm really ashamed of the sympathy that I had for progressives. I mean, I understand. Well, we don't, we won't get into that right now, but, but yeah, this idea that you just need to use force in order to fix your solve your problems. This is the political equivalent of slapping your TV to try to fix its weird connection. I'm tempted to do that with my camera right now. Try to hit it to see if it will stop malfunctioning. But, but that, that, that's what the, that's what that poll basically says. People think that they, if they just hit their enemies, they will stop malfunctioning. Um, and, and I get that to an extent. Um, there are certain individuals that I've known in my personal life who have been given every opportunity in the world and continue to screw it up. And they really just need to get hit in the head with a shovel would probably be my recommendation. And I get that. But the problem is people are told by the media to think that there is an issue here when in fact there is not. This whole thing about having your own opinion about COVID or whatever, the idea that having your own opinion on it is some kind of malfunction. Like this is some kind of bizarre, deviant, aberrant, destructive behavior that must be correct forthwith. That, that is a totalitarian argument that comes out of the fiction that is the ele electronic media. I mean, today I, I said to myself, I'm not really going to use my phone. I'm not going to go on YouTube. I'm not going to read anything about football. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stay off my phone today. And, and, and I was looking around at all the other people who are constantly glued to their goddamn cell phones. And I'm thinking to myself, you're living in this fictitious world of digital media. 
and you are now carrying that fictitious world out into the real physical world, and you are allowing the real physical world to be defined by the fictitious content that you see on that device. Because you read CNN, or because you watch Overwritten with Dak Rouleau, or because you do whatever, you start to think that that is the reality, and you start to allow this to color your whole reality. And that is extremely claustrophobic, and it's also extremely destructive. I just, people who do that, I, I, I mean, that to me is what drives society in the direction that it's going in, is this, this surrender to fictitious digital media. And that's what that poll represents. That's people who cannot stop living in that matrix, as it were. Yeah. So do you think that this is actually a positive development to draw the hatred out in people and expose people for who they really are? And, uh, you know, kind of the balkanization of the country that will follow most likely as uh, like minded people tend to flock to areas of the country where authoritarianism isn't as popular. I mean, you've seen people leave New York and California and Illinois move to places like New Hampshire. Uh, uh, we did it backwards. You know, the, we, we're reverse free staters. We left New Hampshire yeah. in, uh, did because you leave New Hampshire 20... overrated? It is, but I, uh, however, the last year and a half, <laughs> I think it's gotten better yeah. just because the country's awesome. gotten so much worse, but, um, that's good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do you think that's a good thing that this is happening and people are seeing who everybody really is? Or do you think that, um, people is it more of like a lord of the flies thing where if people had never been put in this situation you wouldn't have seen them act so horrendously and we could have avoided something like this altogether if uh what do you think about that well i mean there's this effort to try to change the pace of history you know there's the accelerationist versus the non-accelerationist to me I don't think we actually have any control over that. Like, I think humanity is going to go in the direction it's going to go in. And I don't know that any single individual really has the ability to steer the ship, you know, um, at least not while you're alive. Um, so with this is, do I think it's a good thing? I think it's more evidence that this country is not going to solve its problems. I mean, this is the thing is we used to say we got to get back to where we were in the 90s when we had all this prosperity and wealth and it seemed like we had the world ahead of us. Now we say to ourselves, if only we could get back to 2014, you know, if only we could get back to that time in America where everyone was broke and our jobs sucked, but at least we didn't fantasize about murdering each other 24 hours a day. Or like even that, like 2019. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that that shows a declining standard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The world before 2020. Like, like that shows a declining set of standards. And so this country, like I was saying earlier, we talked about fictitious issues. Issues. Remember, we used to talk about the national debt. We used to talk about unemployment. We used to talk about life expectancy, you know, that kind of stuff. Now we talk about whether this guy running for president supports the insurrection or whether this person running for president has explained her pronouns accurately. Like, like this shows these are fictitious concepts. These are fictitious debates. 
states. This is a world or at least a political culture that is decidedly unserious. And so do I think it's good? Do I think it's bad? I think it's illuminating. I think it does show that some people are decidedly unserious. And I do think it shows that we are heading in a very bad direction. Um, what I would say to people as far as like, oh, should we like get out of this country or should we stick around and watch it burn? Um, you know, th this kind of carnage is going to spread everywhere. So, I mean... I guess I would quote, uh, who's that Booker T Washington and, uh, you know, drop your buckets where they are, you know, like just, I, I mean, you're not going to be able to escape this by fleeing to Hungary or whatever, or Poland. Like you're, 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 you're gonna, you're still going to get scorched as the world burns. So, you know, take it. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I think, I think consolidation is one thing, like trying to find, more like-minded people who agree with you. So yes. if you live in Australia, maybe it's not a bad idea to leave Australia because, you know, people have obviously given up any idea of, yes. you know, self-governance or independence. However, Australia is not a real country. That's a prison colony. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of ironic how that uh, has been a full circle ending with Australia. Um, but uh, in a country like the United States, I'd agree with you. It doesn't really make sense to leave when you have so many people here who where a lot of them do oppose what is going on. I wanted to ask, um, I don't know if this is really accurate, but it's the way I've always thought. Like, I feel like 20 years ago, the right was very authoritarian and the left was more so libertarian, small L, you know, pushing for. Uh, a more live and let live society, oh, a more yeah. uh, accepting or tolerant society where the right was very intolerant of any sort of, um, you know, deviation from their way of thinking. The enemy was the enemy, uh, you know, and then you have like things like the satanic panic in the 80s and 90s. Um, we flipped again where the right in general is more anti-authoritarian than the left. The left has really taken that moniker of authoritarianism now. And I'm, I'm wondering what you think about this. I, I feel like things might flip again. I feel like the right is going to be so angry at the left that instead of reclaiming power and then dismantling it, they're going to turn it on the people who have been trying to separate them from their children and tell them they have to inject something into their bodies, whether or not they want to. And they are going to take political vengeance on the left in the near future. That is kind of what I see happening. And I think that could be very soon. Like I think, you know, uh, I, I know mid, I know political elections don't necessarily shift the, uh, the cultural values of America too much, no. but when you have so much government control, like there is now, when you do have a transfer of power, I think it actually could change the culture quite a bit. I, I think people are getting so sick of, you know, men beating women in the swim team by 45 seconds and, uh, you know, having to, like you were talking about, like explain what your pronouns are to somebody. I feel like, you know, culturally and legislatively, things have gone so far into clown world from a left-wing perspective that the right is going to reclaim its cultural presence as the preferable ideal. And instead of just kind of dismantling the power they take over the left, they're going to crush them under their boot. And we're just going to see this 
type of thing continue into the future. But I was wondering if you think that's accurate. I hope so. <laughs> I, I know it's politically myopic because then the right will become something terrifying in itself. Um, but yeah, I just want to see some of these branch Covidians suffer. These so you people. like you like the transition period. You like seeing the previously the people who were previously in power get crushed, and and, and not so much like when the people crushing them take over, but the transitional period as they're getting destroyed is what's enjoyable. That's what I like in professional sports. I mean, that's why I don't like to see the defending champions win. I'm rooting against Kansas City. I know they're not the defending champs, but I just, I'm sick of seeing them all the time. So I want to see them lose. Politically, it's not really that lighthearted. It's that these branch Covidian COVID authoritarians, yeah, I just want to see them suffer. And I know that that's not very moral of me. That's not very virtuous of me, but it is very vindictive. And I, I just, I, I, it's very vengeful. And I just, I, yeah, I want to see them suffer i want to see them i i want to live in a world without them i don't want to see them i don't want to hear them ever again and so basically if there is a government out there that is going to solve this problem which is what i consider these people to be by any means necessary like i just i i i, I hope you're right because i haven't considered that possibility my view is that this covid authoritarianism will last forever in some form and that means it's a world that i don't particularly want to live in but if the alternative is so and if president ron DeSantis can come in and just annihilate these people completely um uh when do we start <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think it's a bit little bit of both. I don't think it goes away. I just think it changes hands. So um, just like the left was more tolerant 20 years ago, the right was where the warmongering corporate state really had its foothold. But you saw that switch. Like suddenly wokeism and progressivism became a bastion for corporatism. You know, like they could they, they could destroy the... Uh, Occupy Wall Street movement by distracting them with identity politics. So mm -hmm. I I, th I don't think that 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 can't happen again. That it that authoritarianism, medical apartheid, whatever. I don't see why it couldn't necessarily flip sides within a decade. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you're right. Um, I oh, by the way, I was kidding when I was talking about Ron DeSantis. Anybody who actually thinks Ron DeSantis is one of the good guys should really <laughs> share some of what they're smoking. Because you see how many like events that guy does for like APAC. Uh, I mean, yes. that guy is not <laughs> your hero. He no. is not even as convincing as Trump. Um, but I mean, so what you think that? Do you think that the majority of people actually don't like this COVID authoritarian stuff? Because most of the individuals I'm forced to spend my time with do actually think that it's a wonderful thing and they're terrified of the right for they think they're going to subject us all to another rise of the bubonic plague. Um, the people and I don't mean online, but the people in real life that I commiserate with, uh, they are much more like minded to you and I. And oh, that's um, good. You should give me like I have a relative who won't see me because I'm not fully vaccinated. He won't see me in person, which I think is abhorrent and ridiculous. But even he admits that everything going on is stupid. I mean, it was, I, I don't understand the cognitive dissonance going on, but he even admitted like, 
yeah, I can't wait till this is over. This is dumb. Like, I don't understand why we're doing things the way we're doing them. This is just, you know, the way uh, that I've decided to be because of my family and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think, yeah, I do think that most people don't like this. I think that probably half Hmm. of the left and almost all of the right hates this. Then how was the election not stolen? Um, but, uh, well, Gavin Newsom actually came out the other day and said that he predicts Omicron and presumably the, the pandemic will be over within a few weeks. I know we've been saying two more weeks for almost two years now, but there's a part of me, I mean, uh, my wife and I have frequently spoken about this where we've wondered, do the Democrats want to lose in 2022 and 2024? Like, I mean, do they, cause we saw what happened in Virginia, like you would think they need to give people some reason to vote for them. And right now I can't think of a single reason why anybody would vote for the Democrats. So will they end the COVID authoritarianism because it's in their best political interests or are they so beholden to the autocrats behind the scheme that they just can't resist them? Yeah. I mean, it's a weird spot um, because I felt like at the very beginning of all this shit back in 2020, there wasn't much authoritarian legislation being passed at first. Most of it was voluntary. People were scared into their own homes. You know, like it wasn't until, you know, I don't know, maybe a month later that actual legislation was being passed in states where, you know, you can't go outside or you can't go to this place like these types of businesses need to shut down at least where i was it was mostly like people were so freaked out they were just staying home and not going to work unless they had to we went from a brave new world styling uh, a style of government to a 1984 style of go- uh, government because at first it was like, oh, you know, we don't have vaccines, but we're trying to get them out to you as fast as we can. We're trying to get masks out to you as quickly as we can. We're trying to stop this thing. We're trying to save you. That was kind of the attitude of the government in 2020, where 2021, it became more 1984 style, like boot yes. on your neck. You will comply. You will get your vaccine or you will not have a life. That was a misstep on, I don't know why it necessarily changed, if it was just because the narrative was falling apart or what, but that's where the Democrats lost the plot. And I think, yeah, I think they might actually, you know, because Fauci is the science now, whatever he says goes, I think you could be right that they might, that maybe the pandemic will end this summer because the Democrats did such a good job in administering vaccines and making everybody safe that we can go back to normal. I, I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility. He took the vax and now his sperm is black, but the flu will never bring him down. She took the vax and now her cycles whack, but the flu will never bring her down. They took the vax and now they can't keep track of all the variants in their town. They took the vax. They're never coming back. We bury boosters deep underground. Yeah, I just wanted to want to sing that. Um, so anyway, <laughs> is uh, that your is that your brainchild or did someone else? Come no, up with that? no I haven't heard um, it. I, I read that somewhere, oh, like okay. that thing I read on the Four Horsemen about you will never be a real woman. I can't yeah. believe they didn't kick me off of YouTube for reading that. But that yeah, was, or you uh, mean kick me off of YouTube for you reading it? <laughs> <laughs> 
it's it's still up. It's incredible. <laughs> I know, but if my if my Santa Inc. video didn't get me taken off of YouTube, I don't know what will. Uh, but um, the yeah. time will tell. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I want it to, but at the same time, some people say that we need to embrace this as the totalitarianism because if they were to end this pandemic, I can't imagine how stupid and traumatized I would be coming out of it. Like this has been nothing but mental rape for the past two years, not because. Let me make this clear. Not because I want to go to sporting events and I can't because of not being vaccinated. It has nothing to do with that. It's not that I'm missing anything. It's just this, this endless display of idiots who are believing what they are being told. Like the stuff about the N95 mask. They do realize they can't actually enforce the N95 mask because people are not going to purchase N95 masks like a hundred every day so they can wear them forever. Like I just, I, I mean, I, I just, it, it does make me wonder how they actually lost touch with reality and they're starting to enforce authoritarian measures that can't really be implemented like they just we talked earlier about being disconnected from the real world because of your pampered washington lifestyle this makes me wonder if they've completely lost all contact with reality yeah i mean i think it i i guess the defining factor is what do you believe the purpose of all of this was? I don't really think it was a, a dry run necessarily for anything. I think it was just an attempt. Well, let me, I, I don't think it was like, we're going to do something more serious next time. And we're just going to keep pushing until people um, like, I don't necessarily think there's just going to be another one of these in two years. Maybe there will be, but I don't think that's necessarily the point I was saying like, I don't know, about a year ago now, but I thought the whole point of this was to set up like a biosecurity state where they oh. can just track you much more easily. Yeah. Um, they can have your medical records yes. and your financial oh. records. In, I mean, it's not like it's that hard for them to find that out right now, but this way everything will just be immediately on display. That's what I have always, or at least for the last year now, that's what I've thought mm -hmm. the goal was. So I think COVID, uh, James Corbett was saying this on uh, Sunday on my show that, you know, COVID could end, but I don't think that, I don't think COVID is the end game. I think right. the end game is that biosecurity state. Right. Because people have talked about how 20 years after 9-11, you still can't bring a bottle of Aquafina on a plight, on a flight. Be, be, right. be, and it's like, what like that's weird that never went away but the thing is going through tsa security at the airport is really not that big of a deal to people because it's just it's one specific instance this covid authoritarianism touches all aspects of human life and you were right to bring up the thing about the medical information because what they've established now is that your medical information is not your private business they allege that they have a perfectly legitimate right to demand your medical information. And what I think that leads to is a situation where someone goes to counseling or something like that. Somebody's in therapy and the government is able to say, ah, because of this, you pose a risk to public safety and now you must be removed from the public for your own good. It's not to say that they're actually going to do that to every single person who has a YouTube show like this or who votes for Trump. It's not to say that they're going to do that with every single person, but it's just establishing 
the precedent that they're able to do that if they so desire. It's kind of in a sense like the Julian Assange thing where we thought, oh, this meant every single person who criticized the American empire was about to go to a maximum security prison. No, that's not what it's about. But it does mean that now in the future, they do have the right to send you to a maximum security prison for criticizing the government if they so desire. So it's more about the precedent rather than it is about the the routine or the particulars, like the day to day behavior. That stuff isn't what they're interested in. What they're interested in is establishing a codified legal precedent for any kind of authoritative action. And, and this is another one where it's like contact tracing. You've been exposed to somebody else. Ah, we now have the, we will demand the right to know your entire social history. There's a lot of fundamental stuff that's being changed here and they've assumed uh, the right to do. And, and, you know, do you hear Ron DeSantis talking about any of this kind of existential stuff? No, he's just talking about specific policies about compulsory vaccinations, um, which I think are kind of a red herring. Yeah. Well, um, there you have it, folks. Uh, one year after January 6th, and they've successfully demonized half the country and caused a lot of people to think that political action against their um, adversaries is completely justified because they're domestic terrorists and extremists. And they're, you know, what I do find ironic about all this is what? the left thinks of the right as xenophobic, racist, homophobic, science denying idiots, yet they're insistent on giving them or forcing them to take a vaccine that they believe will save their lives. Like, I mean, if you really think through this and you're on the left and you really hate the other side of the country, why don't you just want to let them them die? But I'll give you the last word, Dak. Um, any final thoughts? And then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. There was something I was going to say, but I didn't. I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, basically, I just what I don't want to see is people turning to the Republicans as the saviors in all of this. Correct. Um, that would be just as pathetic as the progressives turning to Biden as their savior in 2020. I just I if you're going to vote to solve this problem, that proves you don't understand what the problem really is. Right. All right. Uh, I've got your uh Twitter, which is the overwritten oh. one, not your, not Dak Rulo. That one's out of commission. Uh, and then also overwritten.org and your YouTube page in the description. Is there any, anything you want to advertise that's coming up? Not especially. I was just going to say, we're pretty much going to be only on the on the uh, YouTube channel from now on until I'm kicked off of YouTube. Um, the website is what it is. I haven't posted anything on there in a while. I've been trying to work on this book about the 2020 election, but it's proving to be a quagmire. All I will say to people is if you try to tag me on Twitter... I don't ever see it, and we expect that the overwritten Twitter account is probably going to be shut down permanently pretty soon. There might be a video talking about how we're going to be done with Twitter permanently pretty soon. Um, so yeah, if you want to reach me, come into the YouTube channel I have and subscribe and give and tell me how brilliant I am, and I'll probably give you a heart emoji or something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on again, Dak. I will see you on your channel sometime next month. Coming on was my white privilege. <laughs>